0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: What up, t Podders? I'm your host, Greg Wasco. This is episode 197 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Coming from the bedroom today, I had to make a little uh, studio adjustment. The missus is running some uh, aerobics classes from the living room, so we got to do what we can here to, to make the moves here. But we are joining once again with our man, Jonathan Rifkin, you I think you, you might just become a, a staple here on the <laughs> podcast,
2: bro. This is six episodes in a row. We love having you. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling fantastic. Every time I come back, I just feel better and better. So, yeah, I mean, let's just keep – I don't want to steal the spotlight away from Lucas, though. I think Lucas lucas needs his, his, his spot as the, the true consistent co-host. So I think we'll cap it at the sixth episode, and then, you know, I'll be on my merry way.
1: Well, I'm, I'm not very shy about uh, turning the reins over to Lucas as our team captain, so he's not going anywhere. Lucas, how are you feeling, brother?
0: I'm feeling good. I'm ready to break down um, how bad the Eagles and Packers drafted, for sure.
1: <laughs> well, th- yeah, let's not bury the lead too long. We'll jump right into it. If you missed Tuesday's episode, make sure you dial it back. Uh, we broke down the entire AFC Uh, team by team and we went through division so not in order of draft pick per se uh, as then we did not cover Joe Burrow first going first overall Uh, we covered them when we got to the Bengals as a team so we're gonna be doing that again today breaking down the NFC we'll start with the west we'll go to the north south and east as divisions I'll throw it out to the guys and we'll get through it here make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel leave a comment on your favorite NFC grabs and also make sure to share and subscribe on the podcast as well all right boys let's jump right into it we'll start with the Super Bowl runner-ups San Francisco 49ers five picks just five picks this year in the draft second fewest picks in the NFC plus they had a couple of free agent grabs and trades I'll go over those first because they didn't do a lot on the draft board per se but they were busy over the weekend and I loved these personally as a 49er fan to pick up Trent Williams who uh, slides in for Joe Staley longtime tackle who retired here. So Trent Williams, they pick him up uh, from Washington. They bring in Matt Burita, uh and a trade with uh, Miami and Chris, um, excuse me, Marquise Goodwin. I had Chris Godwin in my head, sorry. Marquise Goodwin um, heads over to uh, the Eagles as well. So the Niners making some moves here, making some way for some of those running backs, some of those receivers, pretty crowded offensive unit in general. And then on the draft board, uh, the 25th, Pick. They pick up Brendan Ayuk, which I know we like from Arizona State. Um, they pick up uh, another tight end for uh, George Kittle there, a blocking tight end, and then Jawan Jennings out of uh, Tennessee here, and uh, Javon Kinlaw filling in for Devoris Buckner, who moved on, of course, to the Colts. So, lots to unpack here for the 49ers. Jonathan, we'll turn to you first. Uh, how do you feel about the Niners? We talked about Ayuk quite a bit out of ASU, and uh, he went with the 25th pick overall. There were still a, a number of uh, wide receiver weapons, but they went with Ayuk on this one.
2: Yeah, when they traded up, I texted you and I said, before the pick was then, I said either Chenault or Ayuk, and they went with Ayuk, and you can't go wrong with either. Ayuk fits better because are trying to replace manual Sanders. Um, obviously, that's a big loss in terms of speed, vertical threat, route running, ball tracking, man-on-man separation, um, and that's sort of what Ayuk brings you. You know, he's only six feet, he's 205 pounds, he's not the biggest guy, um, but he is really good in man-on-man coverage, which you don't see a lot of in college football, especially in the Pac-12, a lot of cover two sets, um, but in the NFL, you see it a lot. So he has the speed to create separation. Um, and I think that he complements obviously, George Kittle really well. He, he compliments Godwin pretty well. I think that the biggest concern with him are his hands, um, because he did have a couple of really badly dropped passes last year uh, from Jaden Daniels, and that may once again be sort of equipped for 49ers fans if that does happen but it's a growing it's a growing curve it's a learning curve for him um if you look at his progressions over the last two years he was a transfer from a community college you barely hear about uh in college football uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good showing for you guys not for the first few weeks but thereafter he'll get into the flow of things major catching radius for a guy who's only six feet so really 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 like this pick um i'm glad they traded up obviously are DeForest Buckner with the prior pick with Kinlaw like you said so those two needs were immediately met once uh, once the first round was ended and I think I don't know Scott you can tell me as a 49ers fan between rounds two and four were you upset that they didn't have any picks or were you happy that they replaced the DeForest Buckner pick and they got the speedy wide receiver from uh, Arizona State the
1: latter I was fine with it here's the deal I mean you know without doing the, the 49er homerness like we're good as long as Jimmy has his shit together, we'll be fine. Um, and their defense is stacked for a long time. DeForest Buckner uh, leaving, I thought, was a little bit of a head turner when it happened, and they picked up 13th pick with the Colts and all that. That was kind of a, mm, okay, but our defensive line is still pretty stoked. Then they come out, and we've been talking about it on the podcast for a while. What were they going to do? Of course, I wanted C.D. Lamb, or if he, if he fell, I wanted T. Higgins or something like that. Those are my, uh, my receiver choices. But for them to go and get it, Kinlaw, who's a fucking animal, to basically replace DeForest Buckner, I like quite a bit, uh, honestly, just because it's a team need. They win the trenches in pretty much every game. I'm going to turn Lucas uh, loose on the Packers here in just a little bit. But the biggest thing with the Packers and why that draft was so shitty is that the Niners ran all over them in the NFC Championship game, and they stuffed the run as well, and the Packers didn't do anything about it. So I think the Niners just reloaded, which is great. Ayuk, I'm okay with. Uh, Lucas, I'll turn to you really quick. We're going to go into fantasy implications stuff next week and break this down deeper on each team. But very quickly, does this help or hurt Debo Samuel?
0: I think it stays the same. I mean, you look at it like I was saying. I know we brought it up. I didn't want them to take a Judy or Lamb because it's not how their offense runs. I think teams that needed the help on offense, you saw this draft, like, stuck with the game plan. Like the Broncos, they went and got all-out speed. The Niners, they got Ayuk. He specializes in yards after the catch, just like Debo, just like Kittle. Sanders kind of obviously on the team anymore. Kendrick Bourne's like your big possession guy. So they really stuck with what this offense is going to do. So to me, this helps the team more than trying to bring in Judy or Lamb, who's going to command a high target share, not fit the offensive scheme, and just kind of want to be the overall identity of the offense. And I don't think Ayuk is going to want to do that because I think he saw what Samuel did last year and he was efficient with the touches he had. So I think it was – as much as I don't know, it was the number one receiver, like, straight up on their board is what they said after the draft. So I'm glad they, like, went out and got their guy without, like, trying to mess around too much and be too flashy with CeeDee Lamb early or Jerry Judy early.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and Jonathan, to, to come back to your point really quick, uh, as far as the, the second, third, fourth rounds not having any picks, I thought they did well uh, picking up, you know, again, another tackle, a tight end, and a receiver um, late in the draft. So, again, filled some more uh depth but also again they were very busy anyway they didn't have a lot of draft picks but scooping Trent williams who's basically been on the block for a year and a half for them to pick him up when joe staley leaves was massive um and then uh to swap out Brita, uh for some more room and then goodwin as well just kind of taking up space on that roster first of all i think helps all the other assets for the 49ers running backs and receivers but it also gives Breda and goodwin as individuals more opportunity somewhere else so frankly It wasn't a super sexy draft by any means, but two years ago, the Niners were one of the worst teams in the league, and I didn't know what to think about Debo Samuel, who was awesome, but like, is he going to change our whole team? And this year, we don't have a lot of gaps to fill, and those that we did, I think we did a great job with um, defensive line and offensive line, which is how the 49ers are, are, are run. So honestly, as a 49er fan, I was pretty pumped on the draft overall.
2: And the last thing I'll say, I think, at the end of the draft, you guys got Jawan Jennings or Jwan Jennings out of uh, out of Tennessee. It's interesting because on our last podcast, you asked us, you asked Lucas and I, guy, You said, "What's your favorite or most surprising pick of the draft?" And I said, "KJ Hill, the seventh one going to the the Chargers it was a great pick." Jen I'm not gonna say he's my favorite. and I'm sure we'll talk about. We're gonna talk about every team here, but to get Jennings, who had a seven and a half yards after catch stat at Tennessee, who was literally the only offense behind arguably the worst team in the SEC, a team that lost to Georgia Southern in the first game of the season, lost to BYU in double overtime. I mean, this guy, I think he forced 30 missed tackles this season. It was insane for that, to be on that team and to do what he did. So that was also a great pick at the end of the draft by the 49ers, just stack playmakers.
1: Love it. Awesome. Let's move on to the Seahawks. Seahawks had six picks. Um, Carson escapes, uh, for now at least. I want to hear about DJ Dallas here in just a little bit, but, um, the Seahawks have been a very interesting team. They haven't done a lot of splash moves and drafts that I can remember. Even the te- even the guys that we know and love now, uh, the Tyler Locketts, uh, the D- um, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, some of those guys, like, those weren't big splash draft picks. They just happened to work out. Um, and that continues this year. Uh, they had a line- two linebackers, a guard, and then they picked up Colby Parkinson out of Stanford, who we talked about that we like the problem is he's the fourth tight end on the depth chart right now uh, for the Seahawks. So that's interesting for Disley um, Hollister and Greg Olson, who of course they bring over from Carolina uh, DJ Dallas running back out of Miami. Who's Carson Tancup, I guess uh, maybe Rashad Penny and then a uh, Freddie Swain wide receiver from Florida um, Lucas are the Seahawks just in a position similar to the 49ers where they didn't necessarily have a lot of gaps to fill um, or, are they are they just not making it happen I think Pete Carroll is one of the top five coaches in the league overall and gets the most out of his talent but I can't remember a Seahawk draft in the last handful of years where I came out saying whoa they you know they crushed it
0: yeah I mean it's so weird because they're a team that has so many needs but then like you come down to the draft they never address them and they're always in the playoffs every single year it's just I don't want to say... Because they
1: have one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Yeah,
0: like, I don't I don't want to say if they had a good draft, because, like, who's to say the guys that they perceivably should have taken were good? Because we don't know. They haven't played a single snap. Like, Jordan Brooks and Daryl Taylor could be all pro linebackers for all we know. We don't know how it's going to play out. But it's, like, it's just so weird. Because I think if you look at, like, DJ Dallas, like, he was not even close to, like, the highest upside running back on the board. And you'd think that that's what they'd be drafting for when they have Chris Carson... Rashad Penny, if he's healthy. Like, I mean, they brought back beast mode for Christ's sake because they had had that big of a gap at running back. So it's just interesting the way they approach. Like, I want to see, like, post draft, like, their board of players, like, just to see how they're ranked um, and how they evaluate players because I have no. Like, LJ Collier last year was their first round pick and they traded down with, I think they had two first rounders or something last year, but it was just, it's just weird the way they they go about their draft because it's so dysfunctional. But then you look at it afterwards and it's, oh yeah, they're a playoff team one game away from the NFC Championship like every single year. Anything
2: to add, Riff? No, I'm underwhelmed by any of the players that might be fantasy relevant. Um, Kobe Parkinson's going to turn into a fullback. And yeah, I I don't know what DJ Dallas, I I don't know what he's doing on this team. I don't really know what he was doing getting picked 38th overall in the fourth round um, but I've been I don't know if you guys have listened at all to uh, the Steve Kerr and, and Pete Carroll podcast that the ringer's been doing but listened, I listen—I love Pete Carroll because I grew up a USC fan and then luckily I wasn't a USC fan when all the shit happened so I still love Pete Carroll uh, but listening to that podcast has like it's brand new has made me love him even more and trust him even more so I just trust he knows what he's doing but I don't see a lot of fantasy relevance off the bat from basically anybody that they draft it
1: um, 10 seconds to last, both of you guys, are you confident Rashad Penny is going to turn out?
0: Not a chance. It, it would have it happened by now behind that offensive line if it was going to happen.
1: Well, he's a stud. He's another one of these running backs that, like, the talent is clearly there. He just can't stay healthy. And he had yeah. glimpses last year, and then he blew his leg out.
2: Yeah. I love San Diego State. I want everybody from San Diego State to do well. Uh, unfortunately, I think Rashad Penny, or, wow, that was For not sure. the right person. I got you. Yes, thank you. Unfortunately, I think his feeling is a phenomenal college football player, and that's about it.
1: Cool. Uh, Jonathan, quick uh, fun fact here. The listeners of the TTK Pod know this from uh, over the years, but uh, my dad um, was childhood buddies with Pete Carroll. They grew up, went to Redwood High School in the Bay Area, uh, played Little League and Pop Warner and whatnot together. So, um, you know, they're not exactly in touch these days per se. But uh, actually – uh, Pete Carroll, Robin Williams, uh, the Robin Williams, and my dad were uh, quite the trio in Little League back in the day when they were 10 to 15 or so. So <laughs> kind of fun fact there. All right, we'll move on to the Rams. Nine picks here. Uh, downgrade for Henderson and Brown and my boy Josh Reynolds, unfortunately. So uh, in the back of the second round, they pick up Cam Akers, running back out of Florida State, who we uh, all touted here on the previous podcast with here. So I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. I'm curious if he's going to be the week one starter right away there. Um, with Henderson and Brown being the backup for the last two years. Uh, Van Jefferson out of Florida. And uh, then down the list here, Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue, another tight end. So curious with these guys, and Jonathan, we'll turn back to you here. Uh, Cam Akers, first of all, week one starter, question mark. Van Jefferson, does this hurt uh, Josh Reynolds overall? Uh, I assume it helps Jared Goff. um, But that number three uh, with Jefferson or Reynolds there for the Rams, and then Bryce – Bryson Hopkins, uh, does this hurt Tyler Higbee or does he have a role? And um, does that mean that we're probably uh, probably looking at two tight end sets more often for the Rams who might be looking to run the ball more often? I'm curious how you think about that. Overall offense, who was incredible two years ago, throwing all over everybody. You're right, Gurley wasn't the same. Shit hit the fan. They couldn't run the ball the way that they are. Goff struggles under pressure. And they were pretty rough last year. Couldn't find an identity. How do you feel about him now?
2: Uh, I've always been shaky on Goff, especially in the triple overtime win over Oregon a couple years ago and use that calf. Uh, my freshman year, broken hearts all over the place. No, I mean, look, he's, he, I think he, he is what he's, what we, what he's going to be like. This is the ceiling for Jared Goff. He's a dynamic playmaker with a limited, with limited IQ and, and down the field capability like that. It's recklessness, for lack of a better term. Um, I, Van Jefferson is a great addition. The word, the problem with Van Jefferson, and everybody's saying he's going to turn 24 by the time the season starts. He's going to be 24 and a and a couple of months by the time the season actually probably starts. So I'm not exactly sure. You know, there's a ceiling on on um, on age, if you will. I, I think that between 24 and 26 feels like the peak athleticism for a lot of these wide receivers. Um, so who knows? Maybe we're seeing just the best of him, and I'm not too worried about Reynolds' stock. Um, with Jefferson, I think Jefferson is more, like you said, of an assurance an assurance for Goff than he is um, – look, they lost and Cooks. like, you have to fill a void, and he's that void. They believe that he's the void to fill. Cooper Cup, we know, has injury problems. Um, I want to move over to Hopkins really quickly. I don't think Hopkins is any threat. I think Hopkins is going to be used like Uzoma is used in the Bengals. I think he's going to be a blocking tight end. Um, we will see two tight end sets of the reason they took him, but I don't think that uh, – I don't think any current Rams playmakers – with the exception of Darrell Henderson, obviously because the cam makers were drafted, um, are going to be threatened by any of the playmakers that were drafted, at least right off the bat, uh, in my mind.
0: Lucas, any thoughts on the Rams quick? I mean, low-key, like, we always – we get we give crap to Bill O'Brien. The Rams are honestly just as bad than what they've done this offseason. You look at their draft. They filled – okay, they, Clay Matthews gone, so they're him with Terrell Lewis. Good pick there. They took the cap hit on Todd Gurley – like, I didn't think they were going to draft a running back. Like, I was like, okay, they're just going to take the cap hit, roll with two backs, whatever. Then they go and spend their first pick on a running back that, like, we like him or whatever. He's going to be good in fantasy just because he's going to get just ran behind a crappy O-line and just production. They don't even they don't draft a single offensive lineman until their last pick, and that is their biggest need. Not, not a single one. Take all this cap hit, don't address the O-line, and they expect this team to get better. We just don't think they're that bad of a draft because they drafted fantasy guys. That's why everyone, no one like really looks at it. It's cause like, oh, they got Cam Akers, great. Okay, like I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's not. Uh, it's just interesting because I know McVeigh's going to keep his job for the next ten years just because he went to one Super Bowl when he he had to have as bad of an off season as Bill O'Brien's had so far.
1: Uh, is did Cam Akers end up on the NFL version of Florida State?
0: That's a we yeah we're gonna break that down in the dynasty one. It's it's oh, okay I'll perfect pause. fit. It's oh, a perfect I fit. I hope not.
2: I hope not. Oh man. I'm with you. Man. Every with LA Rams you. fan is seething right now that you just said those words, guy. I'm telling you right now. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I I'm with you. I think that the the there's a lot of potential there. Goff is still very young. Uh, another hometown kid. We just talked about Pete Carroll. Goff is from same town. Uh, I you know i think it's very interesting with the rams i think they they sparked the fire obviously two years ago they got all the way in the patriots or the patriots fucking figured them out and shut them down last year was alarming it wasn't just that they weren't as good they had all the pieces with like an 85 percent todd Gurley. that's not a reason for them to be as disgruntled as they were overall their offensive line has taken a hit their defense has taken a hit um, and I'm a little bit concerned about them. Also, we're going to jump to the Cardinals here in two seconds. I think the Cardinals leapfrog the Rams this year, to be honest with you. Um, so let's jump right into that. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, six picks. Uh, they pick up... Jonathan, your boy, you know, Benjamin makes the cut at the very end there in the seventh round, Arizona State. Uh, That I'm curious if he is going to be Kenyon Drake's handcuff or if they're going to ride with Chase Edmonds still. Um, Other than that, they get Isaiah Simmons, who's not a fantasy guy but one of the best defensive players in the draft, eighth overall linebacker out of Clemson. Uh, They get Josh Jones, tackle out of Houston, and fill up a couple couple other leads there. So um, I am wondering if you – does this help? Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. In dynasty, you have Kenyon Drake, who's still a younger back, finally getting an opportunity. We saw him eight hundred and eight over the last half of the season. Once he got traded over to the Arizona Cardinals, you're looking at that handcuff deeper in drafts. Are you going with Chase Edmonds or your boy, you know,
2: Benjamin? Oh. I'm going with Eno Benjamin. He's more dynamic of a running back. I, Chase Edmonds was really fun to watch. And he also, I mean, the reason that Chase Edmonds, I think, in my mind, was obviously his, his brothers a, a phenomenal defensive back, but is that he was multi-talented all the way up until he was in the NFL, right? He was a two-way player. Um, and they converted him, obviously, to running back for full time. And he's, he's, a, he's a fun back, but I don't think, I think Eno Benjamin, when you look at what the natural fundamentals of a running back Makeup of for running back are I think Geno you know, Benjamin possesses more of those, and I think that he also complements Kyler Murray more than Edmonds does because go uh, Murray obviously the way that he runs as a quarter not runs like the way he facilitates as a quarterback is unique because of his style and his size, um, but he's a lot like Jaden Daniels. The way that Arizona runs their offense, the way that Kingsbury runs that offense is very much how um, Edwards runs the offense for Arizona State, and so I think that Benjamin will fit in as a puzzle piece. As a compliment, as a handcuff to Drake eventually, and also a compliment to Kyler Murray. Lucas, your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, one thing: their first four picks are all going to be defensive starters, so they nailed those first four rounds. I think they did a great job. Our three defense, and then Josh Jones or Lyme, which they do need. But I think that when it comes down to you know Benjamin here, I think they were just shocked that he was there. Um, Ken and Drake did not get paid this year, and we've mentioned it before: you don't, they don't, you don't not get a contract and then somehow change your mind halfway through the year that you want to pay a running back, especially in a system where you run four receiver sets probably 75% of the time. So I like Edmonds and Benjamin because, like, if it's me, I'm letting Kenyon Drake run off, whatever he's going to do, run the ball over, because he's going to have a great year, one year, I think, and then let him go. I think you then you just run Edmonds and Benjamin because they both – I mean, we both like both of them. They've both shown that they're good running backs. So I think it'll be interesting to think – to see how that plays out, because I think they made smart moves, um, obviously, by taking advantage of the, bill- the D. hop trade. So we'll see kind of how they handle the money going forward, because um, they got rid of a big running back contract, decided not to pay the running back. So we'll see if they if they are going to cave in and pay Ken and Drake, um, either in the middle of the year or next offseason.
1: Do you both think that the uh, Cardinals have a chance to hop the Rams, making the Rams potentially fourth place in the NFC West? Which, in yeah. that division, in fourth place, could be seven and nine.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah.
0: I don't know. It's tough because, like, they're they're getting better, but you still – they're still not that good. Like, it's they're still – Are they this of, year's Browns? No, I don't think it's that, just because I think it's a completely different offensive system. Like, you run air raid, you're going to hit 50% of the games, whereas the Browns were trying to establish the run and run play action – so it's a little bit different. If you let Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitz, and Christian Kirk run around, they'll pick up six wins at worst, I think. So it'll be interesting because the Rams' defense is still good. It's kind of where I sort of pause a little bit. Um, so I don't know. it would be tough. Um, but that's a tough division now. I, I don't even – I mean, like, I think your Niners have the edge, but, like, I could easily see those – we saw those games come down to the wire every single game last year. Like, it could All easily – All three
1: of them were one play.
0: Yeah, like, it could easily flip for – the Cardinals could – win two of those and then be division leaders and have all the mojo to run run away with it. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Riff quick thoughts on the NFC West.
2: Yeah, the Cardinals are gonna surpass the Rams. Uh Sean McVay, I love Sean McVay, but he has a Chip Kelly complex where he brought something innovative and everybody figured it out. And that's that's why I say Jared Goff is what Jared Goff is going to be. In this system, Jared Goff we we I don't like earlier you made the point with I really don't want to get into this because I know we have a lot to talk about. So, um, you made the point where Jerry Goff, like you, you know, young, the potential. I don't see it with the system because I think the system's been figured out. It's the reason that everybody's running a West Coast offense now in college. It's the Chip Kelly complex. Oregon is not special anymore because now everybody's copying what Oregon is doing. Sean McVay, people aren't copying what Sean McVay did. People figured it out, and I think that was why we saw this insane downturn last year. Obviously, outside of all the internal issues, just from a play a play standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, I think the Cardinals, the Cardinals are a fresh team fresh dynamic in this conference and I think they're gonna be better than the Rams. Or they have the assets at least to be better than the Rams.
1: Each each of these teams is gonna be a headache for whomever they play each week though. All four of these teams I think are really good. And in the next year or two when the Cardinals grow up a little bit more uh, and the Rams maybe re catch up, all four of these teams are gonna be going to be good for a long time. All right, let's move on to the NFC North. Lucas, before I turn you loose on the Packers, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the YouTube channel here, drop a comment of your uh, favorite NFC grab here of the rookies from the draft, and also follow us on Instagram at football underscore TCK pod. Lucas, Green Bay Packers, nine picks. You could do a lot of work with nine picks. My note here is literally WTF question mark. Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. First pick, A.J. Dillon, either Derrick Henry 2.0 or a fullback as their second pick, and then defensive and offensive lineman after that, go for it, my man.
0: All right, so this is like a whole project to break down, and we got new information today that they picked Jordan Love because they're tired of Aaron Rodgers' attitude. Like, that was what they straight up said on the what I read. Obviously, they interviewed him or whatever, and it makes sense. Like, you... When the opportunity is there to... Well, okay, first off, this team didn't have that many needs. Like, everyone thinks they need a receiver. No, they don't. They went 13-3 and last year with no offense to Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is their number two receiver. Like, they don't need a receiver. People people that say it are fantasy players. They just want... I don't, insert any fireworks. receiver. Yeah, they just want fireworks. And like I'm not going to bash they that. They want Jordy
1: Nelson and Devontae Adams. Yeah,
0: them. and that's when Mike McCarthy was there, a guy that ran three receiver sets. The Packers don't do that. They run... They run the ball, which is surprising because you wouldn't think that. But now, with what they have done, they are committed to the run. You saw, And they said that. They went and got A.J. And got Dillon, and they've had every excuse the past two years to somehow get rid of Aaron Jones' carries. Like, whatever whatever the case may be, they've always found an excuse for Jamal Williams, no offense to Royce Freeman, literally Royce Freeman's comp, like, just give him the ball, he'll get you four yards, that's it, carries. And then you go Jeff Josiah Deguara, who they might have traded up, if I remember right, who's a run-blocking tight end. Like, that's it. That's, like, where he's capped. So you just know right away they're committed to the run. Then they came out day three of the draft and said that they're committed to the run. So everything's confirmed there. So, yes, it's a bad draft because they didn't draft a single – well, they got a linebacker, but they didn't draft a single, like, top three-round linebacker. They need a little bit of corner help and offensive tackle because Brian Bulaga left. But then you have to look at it as the Chiefs did this two years ago or three years ago with Patrick Mahomes, and no one complained. Alex Smith came off an MVP caliber season. They drafted Mahomes. They traded up to draft Mahomes at 10, and everyone was in love with it because he can throw the ball really far or something like that or whatever the, whatever his thing was at the time. So I think there's definitely two sides to it. They won't get rid of – I don't have the contract written down for Rodgers, but it's like $20 million or more of dead cap if they trade him the next two years. So he's not getting traded – I don't know what's gonna happen because I think they might have a short leash on him and easily just throw in Jordan Love because you're not—he's a free agent in 2024. You didn't draft Love to go sit for four years, so there's something that's like gonna happen. I don't know if it's gonna be this year or next year or I don't know. They're just trying to bring in a whole new wave um, with Matt Lafleur, I guess. I don't, I don't. It's just so weird that I know he's the head coach, but you don't let a head coach make decisions like this and completely just flip what the franchise. Is doing when they were one game away from the Super Bowl. So, are you, are you about it, or do you think this is a shitty draft? I don't want to pick a side. I, I, because... hear, I hear
1: you. Sorry, I hear you. That there's kind of a two, a two, uh, two reactions to this. When it first hit, I was thinking like, "Wow, backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers, like he's you know 36, but he's not archaic." And then AJ Dillon, who I'm kind of excited about, but. They have two awesome running backs already, and then not much elsewhere. So I was kind of surprised. The more I've thought about it, though, over the last couple of days, I'm actually digging it a little bit more, and I hear you kind of just, maybe unintentionally, but almost made a case both ways as well. So I'm curious, like, how do you feel about this right now?
0: I mean, like, you have to look at it both ways, because I'm not going to take a side on something that there's evidence that it worked out literally three years ago with Mahomes, or two years, because he waited a year. And they they took the cat hit with Alex Smith. Obviously, he got injured. Like, they didn't think that was going to happen. But they 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 made the move to trade him away. They got Brashad Bruin, if I remember right. And they took the cap hit. They moved on. And now look at him are Super Bowl champs in two years. The Packers have the team to do that. They well, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents um, next year. I don't think they're going to pay him if they just went out mm-hmm. and drafted the guy in the second round. So, Dylan is their running back. LaFleur also had Derrick Henry. So, people are drawing those comps. Just a pounder. And I think they have a couple other guys in the depth chart that were good, like, um, like UDFA's or like fifth or sixth round picks that people were in love with last year. I remember the top of the head who they are, but I think I don't know. I'm just not gonna pick a side because I think either way it can get totally burnt because there is two clear sides to it. Um, which we'll probably talk about like the Cowboys next. Kind of they had a kind of a controversial but not controversial first round pick. Like in both ways you look at it too. So I, I'm not taking a side. Um, just because I, I can see both sides do it. Fair. Quick thoughts, Riff.
2: Yeah, dumb. Uh, this high risk, high reward in the fifth round. This is incredibly high risk and very low possibility of reward in the first round. Uh, there, he's that his pick. Position was a twelve and a half million dollar contract with a six and a half million dollar signing bonus. So what you're basically doing is you're drafting a guy who is going to sit on your bench for at least the first year, maybe second or maybe third year. Maybe you trade him. You're basically spending twenty two thousand, twenty two million dollars. Excuse me, on a guy who. Low, to prove injury. a point, what, almost right. So basically, is this guy has no volatility? This yeah. guy has injury concerns. He was twenty touchdowns and seventeen picks last year for a power five or sorry, a group of five school that strength of schedule was like ninety eighth. And you're going to sit here and tell me this guy is worth $22 million. I don't care if he went 32-6 and in 2018 with 3,500 yards. Justin Herbert had a much better season, and I don't think Justin Herbert right now is worth $22 million. But his pig value is higher, so obviously he's going to get paid that. Jordan Love should be getting paid $6 million to sit on the bench and develop. That's all I'm going to say. What an atrocity.
1: Fair enough. I'm with you. I'm with you. We'll see what happens. I I do know that San Francisco would love Aaron Rodgers' attitude. I've already t- talked to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and they would they would br- embrace him with open arms. Give my boy Nick Mullins one more year to sit behind a Hall of Famer, come out guns a blazing, no problem. All right, moving on. The Vikings. The Vikings had one of the best drafts across the board. Anybody you talk to, any uh, ESPN article you read, any fantasy, whatever, everybody's got the Vikings as a top three draft overall. Seventeen. 17- picks overall most picks in the in the draft they pick three receivers biggest thing coming in here for the vikings we know that they want to run but kevin stefanski took off but they still have um their their running base is part of their team they have a great offensive line dalvin cook of course uh, madison and Diggs goes to buffalo so they need to fill in receiver right away they go with justin jefferson out of lsu who's Diggs replacement for sure my question is going to be, is he the number one with Thielen in there or is Thielen in the number one for another year maybe until he leaves? And then he trickle down the board. I'm going to let Jonathan make a comment here about Troy Dye. And then uh, K.J. Osborne out of Miami. And then Isaiah Hodgins, Oregon State. And uh, then they pick up, you know, Nate Stanley out of Iowa, who's more just a uh, in case Kirk gets hurt. So let's start with Justin Jefferson. And um, – Jonathan, are you, you – now? Thielen is 31. We know that he's older, uh, but he's still awesome. Last year he was great other than a, a, a bad ankle that kind of lasted throughout the back half of the season. He's been excellent the last couple of years, but he's certainly not Stephon Diggs. Um, do you think Justin Jefferson slides into that role right away and is he see that number one uh, for the Vikings?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else they would – Put there right now. I mean, off the bat, you kind of have to. I think he's a proven receiver. He's fat I, his, his athleticism outweighs Thielen, like you said. Thielen's thirty-one. Uh, we know that guy can basically. I mean, that, he's a converted possession receiver to a guy who. I mean, we saw what he did in like two hundred-plus-yard games, a couple times over the last few years. So, mm-hmm. um, so Jefferson, I think, is a good, great compliment. I think he'll be plugged in as the number two right off the bat. I will say though, and I know I come from a Pac-12 background. I know that I have been singing the praises of Isaiah Hodgins, which hurts my heart as an Oregon alum. Um, I think Isaiah Hodgins will, will challenge Justin De- Jefferson though throughout the season for that number two spot. Um, and and you allude to the fact that that is leaving, KJ Osborne's good. Um, Isaiah Hodgins is better, and I think that that he's going to jump the depth chart within the first few weeks to wherever number three, number four. And then from there, I think we'll see what happens. So but Jefferson, right off of that, will be a compliment for Thielen. Um, as the number two wide receiver, I love the pick. I like Stephon Diggs because he's explosive and he was a lot of fun to watch. But I actually think Jefferson, in the long term, could be a much better value play for the Vikings.
1: As a duck and for our IDP folks out there, give me a little bit on Troy Dye.
2: Buy high on Troy Dye. Buy high. I'm telling you. If you were an IDP, if you were in a Dynasty IDP, Troy Dye should be your number one. Obviously not, but like you, you understand the gist of what I'm saying. Every, you know, it's funny because I, guy, I, I, I told this to you. My my biggest quip about was the whole Lewis Riddick. Oh, the only thing about this guy is that you know we question his commitment to the game. This guy broke his thumb, played for six games. tore a ligament in his knee, played for four games. He's been a team captain for four years. I was I remember when he came my sophomore year. I hosted a pregame show for the radio station before, like at the Valley River Inn, before um, just a hotel that we had a contract with. And I was like, this guy Troy Dye, Like, I don't know. I kind of I kind of have a good feeling about him. And then he went on to be a four year team captain, a four year starter, 11 team and tackles 2018. Uh, He's going to outwork everybody, and that is a perfect spot for him in the land. In that system, with Zimmer, who we know defensively, uh, he's a little bit more defensive, conservative, defensively leaning, and I think that's exactly the system Troy Dye needs to be in. So, yeah, buy high in Troy Dye and dash him on your team for as long as you can. I dig it.
1: All right, let's move on to the Bears. Bears had seven picks. Um, They have the option. It sounds like they probably will not, but it looks like they're going to have the option to pick up mr Bisky's fifth year option here so of course that's a conversation with nick Foles and whatnot um but they pick up cole commit out of notre dame the tight end um i guess my question is is he going to be the the next uh Ertz and kelsey uh in that Nagy offense there um they pick him up in the second round and then other than that they pick up uh, lucas's boy darnell mooney wide receiver from Tulane. um I'm going to get your thoughts on that. And then Quez Watkins out of Southern Miss as well. So they get a couple more receivers and a tight end. Um, I gave Lucas a text mid draft in the fifth round. I was like, Hey, your boy landed with the bears Darnell Mooney. And uh, he seemed pretty excited about that. But uh, my, my reaction was just that Nagy can't throw the ball himself. (laughs) So Lucas sell me on Darnell Mooney.
0: Well, okay. To start out with the Cole combat pick. Yes, they reached, but we, I've talked about it before two years ago. This team was good when they had a productive tight end. Not saying the tight end was good, but productive in terms of a stat line because they used them. Trey Burton, I don't even know what he had that year. Obviously, got hurt last year so that there was no tight end. They have like 10 tight ends on the roster, but it's just a bunch of run blockers and special teams guys that have the tight end attached to their position because you have to have a position for your, to be in the NFL. So I think that Cole Komet, I think he's the most like ready NFL tight end. His run blocking is above average. He's... I guess fast, but like when you watch him, he just plays like because in because Notre Dame they play like three big games a year, and then their other games he just bullied the defenses that he was going against. I don't know if that's gonna translate. We'll see, but I think he's gonna be fine in terms of this offense. And if they can get this tight end going again, I like I've been saying, I think that's all they're missing. I think they just need an offense with a good but not explosive running back in David Montgomery and one receiver is not going to burn you, no matter how bad your defense is. And we saw that last year. But now you had a tight end that can run block. You can get Tariq Cohen going again. David Montgomery can maybe, even though he didn't have a bad year last year, maybe start breaking off some longer runs. And then Darnell Mooney slides into Taylor Gabriel, Gabriel's role last year. And they have Anthony Miller who, it sucks because he's good too, but he gets hurt every year. So now he's going to get, because I don't even know who else is on the roster at receiver. He's going to get the chance to be the three right away, which I think he's going to do great in. He's a playmaker, and then say Anthony Miller gets hurt, I think he can easily jump him. So I think they had a good draft, and then you go get Jalen Johnson to fill really the one need they had on their defense, who I think is going to fit in right away with that defense. So I think they had a really good draft. Um, the, the quarterback battle, or maybe it's not even a battle, maybe Foles is the starter, whatever that's going to entail, I think will be the only drama or like question mark with this team because I think if Foles can come in and do good enough um like he did with the Eagles I think this team will be right back to where they left off at 10 and 6 or whatever they went when the double dork happened that team right there I think that team can come back for sure
1: I think the only uh, the only potential competition there uh for Mooney would be Riley Ridley uh who they have as well yeah. but yeah. I don't I don't know that he's I think he's more of a uh, a depth guy at this point Okay uh Riff, any – any quick uh, quick notes on the Bears? You'll move on.
2: I think they wanted to draft Jordan Love. He wasn't there, so they adjusted. That's all I I think Jordan Love would have been interesting on that roster.
1: Fair enough. What if – what if <laughs> Rogers pulls a Favre and goes in division next year to the Bears who desperately need a quarterback? I'm just going to throw that out there
0: quick. That would be, be so awesome.
1: And the Packers are royally screwed. Sure. <laughs> All right, I'll let that I'll let that for our uh, our northern northern fans. All right, Detroit Lions last uh, last team here in the NFC North. Ten picks, tied with the Giants for the second most in the NFC. They go with Okuda out of Ohio State, third overall, um, great cornerback there. And then they go with DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Um, later on, uh, Quintes Cephas out of Wisconsin, and uh, they pick up another. You know, couple offensive linemen, defensive players, whatnot. Um, again, IDP people. Uh, Okudo's a beast, and I think he'll be great for a long time. DeAndre Swift. Uh, we know the issues with on Johnson injured constantly. They brought in both Scarbo last year. Um, is Carryon's going to get another chance? He's young enough to try one more time, like Darius guys, but. First of all, if he gets hurt again, he's just his NFL career is going to be over. DeAndre Swift, the starter week one for the Lions.
2: Uh, I think on short yardage situations, as like a, a dump down guy in the flat, I don't know if he's going to get the running opportunities that we think he might get. So yeah, I think I mean he'll be he'll be used in short yardage situations, but I don't think he'll be a starting three down back consistently used to off of that.
1: They've had the Zach Zenner experiment over there in Detroit for quite a while as well, but. Um, still, it doesn't look like there's much in his way if carry on can't be healthy. Um, so, DeAndre Swift, uh, I don't think this was an ideal landing spot. I wanted to see him, I don't know, somewhere he'd get a, a better opportunity right away. Um, but with the history and injury concerns of carry on Johnson, he may get his opportunity week three um, just because. So, uh, Lucas, for fantasy, how do you feel about DeAndre Swift here in, in Detroit?
0: Like, I, the team did not need that many repl- uh, replacements on their team. They didn't have that many holes to fix. They just, Stafford got hurt, so it looked like they were a bad team. I knew they were going to take a running back. I thought it would be, like, more of a round three guy because I've, they do want to run a 50-50 share. They've never given on Johnson the full workload, and on Johnson's a good running back. So I think Swift might have just been more of a holy cow, he's still on the board type draft pick. I don't know how they're going to split this because they're both elusive backs that aren't, Power runners, Like, they're both really good in the receiving game. They're good enough in between the tackles, and they just are, they're just they are just good yards per carry guys. I don't know what the split's going to be. I mean, I think it'll be probably a 50-50 timeshare, and then I i would think DeAndre Swift's a better running back. So I think he would win, win the job or carry-on gets hurt. So in redraft, I don't know if I'm going to be taking him because rookies always go high, especially in the round two picks because everyone has... The, the rookie fever, whatever you want to call it. But I think Dynasty is a really good long-term option uh, just due to depth chart and Carry On Johnson's uh, injury history.
1: Both extremely effective in the SEC in college. So we'll see what happens there with Carry On and DeAndre Swift. All right, let's move on to the NFC South. Um, the New Orleans Saints only had four picks, uh, fewest in the NFC. They didn't do much. They didn't really have much to do. Um, I think the biggest move Uh, that they made was bringing in Jameis Winston which isn't a draft conversation but let's kick off the Saints with the Jameis um, situation really quick obviously it's Drew Brees' team until he leaves Um, in Dynasty Leagues really quickly Lucas is Jameis worth the pickup knowing what he know knowing what we know now that he is definitely the backup Taysom Hill is not the backup Uh, he is definitely the backup is he worth a Grab definitely in dynasty leagues, um, and just try to ride it out for another couple of years with Jameis, or are you not taking that risk with with this situation? And do you think he's going to be the same quarterback if they don't just turn him loose for 60 attempts a game?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, he's definitely a buyer and add. I mean, not in any leagues that I play because I have him in every single league because people would just gave up on him. A quarterback like that doesn't that through for 5,000 yards, a quarterback that does for 5,000 yards, one of like five in history doesn't stay a free agent for long, the whole just coronavirus, and all, all that just ruined everything. I'm not saying he's the Saints' new new Drew Brees or anything, but I think that that is like the perfect replacement because all you have to fix is the mental part or whatever. The, the, you have to fix the, I'm going to say mental part, and you have probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time at that to teach him. So I think it's the perfect backup for them. Definitely, Taysom Hill is definitely not a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, like, although it worked those five games, it's also their team is really good. I don't know who they played those five. I, I know the Bears were one. I think the Cardinals were the other. So it's a little inflated there. But I think that they, they made the right move by going and getting a quarterback with tons of upside that only really has one thing to fix. Um, so Dynasty, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I can't imagine he'd be under waivers, but in, like, round of Superflex, round, like, 9 or 10, he'll still be there for sure.
1: Adam Traubman comes off the board, a tight end out of Dayton. We talked about him quite a bit. We were stoked on him. Um, And then Tommy Stevens out of Mississippi State uh, in the seventh round, deep seventh round, um, about 15 picks away from the end. Uh, I've been hearing comps of, of Taysom Hill potentially, which basically just means he's not necessarily the heir to the throne for Breeze as a quarterback. But, Lucas, as you mentioned, you have to have a position tied to your name. He was a quarterback So, therefore, he's listed as a quarterback. But it looks like that is a role that Sean Payton wants to have for the Saints. Um, And if Taysom Hill gets hurt because, you know, he's running around uh, with more uh, receptions than pass attempts as a quarterback, Um, if he gets hurt or something, I think Thomas Stevens might be that new guy. So, interesting how they have kind of four quarterbacks on the roster but two different skill sets. Uh, Jonathan, I'll turn to you for our boy Adam Troutman. Third round tight end here. We've seen for years – all the way back to Jeremy Shockey uh, for the old school kids here in the program, um, Jimmy Graham, of course, who was maybe a hall of famer just in the saints career. Um, and then Jared cook, who's uh, kind of revitalized his career with the saints as well. I'd like to use the tight end and, and
2: Adam Troutman's arguably maybe the best all around tight end in the draft. I don't know how much people can make an argument that he isn't. Um, they gave four picks for this guy, right? They obviously valued, an FCS tight end very high to give up 130, 169, 203, and 244 for him. All picks that could be of value to the Saints. I I, I love how you used him as a confident, just as with the previous Saints tight ends. Obviously, he's not, not obviously, he's not going to be Jimmy Graham off the bat. He's not gonna like it doesn't like he's not gonna be, be Jared Cook off the bat. This guy is the best route runner in the draft. This guy, his yard after catch is better than any other tight end in the draft. Obviously, sample size is different because he played an FCS school where opportunity up the middle was probably more abundant because defenses aren't as uh, competitive they don't blitz as much whatever you however you want to break it down um, regardless this guy has the intangibles as the best tight end in the draft and he's also really got good as an inline blocker he sort of has that George Kittle dynamic style to him where he could George Kittle is the best like dynamic block like that guy can block but you can like, obviously we know he does with his offensive abilities that's sort of how I see Troutman um, I don't know how it's going to work with Cooks right now Um but I think that this guy is going to be a beast. I think it's going to be a red zone target. I think he's going to be a consistent red zone target for Drew Brees this year. And that's why I'm very high on him.
1: Nothing else that helps that, that offense We bring in East Sanders, of course, who's a you know uh, big big fan of the podcast. And Traubman, I think, is going to be great. Even with Cook there, I mean, they could run two tight end sets. And Cooks had a little bit of injury concern over his career as well, so if he were to if he were to to go down or whatever, Breeze is just fine there. So, I like the move again. Minimal picks. They got four picks. You got to do the best you can with them. Um, I think it was I think it was smart. They get a they get a center in Caesar Ruiz, um, and then Zach Bond, who we don't talk about defense very much, but he's a beast out of Wisconsin. So I thought that was a good move there. Let's move on to the Falcons. Uh, interesting here for our discussions. They had six picks overall. They drafted no offensive skill uh, players. Um, so I guess we, we won't necessarily talk about their draft per se. Unless Sterling Hoffrichter, come on. <laughs> Give the kickers some love. Shouts out to Sterling Hoffrichter out of Syracuse. Uh, big up the orange. Um, so other than A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, who's a good IDP guy, um, is I guess my question is, this is obviously good for Gurley because they didn't bring in a bunch of young running backs. Uh, to sort of plan him. My question is Devonta Freeman, as far as I know, is still a free agent. Uh, maybe they bring him back. Um, Lucas, how do you feel about that? If that was maybe a, a potential and if they do, maybe it's Gurley's backfield ish, but they bring Devonta Freeman back in there to uh, lo- uh, lighten the load, I guess.
0: Yeah, this is interesting. Well, I'm going to start. AJ Terrell was their first pick. I saw like a, a report from like a you know, Atlanta Falcons guy saying that he, they were, he was like their 10th corner on their board. And they took him at 16. So, like, I, whatever. Like, I mean, it, it's a credible source, but it makes no sense. I don't know, like, what to put together with that. And apparently they got calls to trade down, and they didn't. But the Falcons are kind of stubborn in the draft we've seen in the past. But I think in terms of the running back, it's interesting because they did not give Gurley a committed contract. There was one-year, $5 million guaranteed. Like, if you work out, we'll probably do it again. If not, like, you're done. It doesn't really matter. And then they go in, and they don't draft a single running back. No receiver insurance when we've seen Ridley and Julio be injured. No quarterback insurance when Matt Ryan just had the worst injury of his career last year. So I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't think Devontae Freeman um, will be it. Like Carlos Hyde still there? I don't think that's it. Um, I, I maybe like a Royce Freeman or something. I don't. They they're gonna need to do something. You can't roll into the season with Quadri, Allison, Brian Hill, and Todd Gurley if you want to be competing in this division out of all divisions too. So. I, I don't know. Like, it was a good draft because they, they fixed what they needed to in their defensive depth because they always get hurt. Their defense is good without the depth. And then you go in, get a center, which is what they needed. Their O-line is all fully healthy as of now. The season hasn't started yet. So we'll see how that plays out, what they do to add depth because this team needs it if they're trying to compete against Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Got it.
1: Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Bucks. six picks. They grabbed two running backs. Uh, They have Rojo and Dare as well. Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, 13th overall, who is Tom Brady's new non-Gronk BFF for the rest of his career for sure. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., which is kind of interesting. You may have heard by now, but kind of fun that Brady actually threw a pick to his pops back in the day, and now they're teammates. That's kind of fun. Keyshawn Vaughn, running back out of Vandy, and Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of Minnesota. Um, I, it's going to be interesting. the The, the Patriots are Patriots, of course. That's going to happen many times this season. The Buccaneers are very interesting with the Brady, the Gronk, the situation, the new hype, and all the shit. They were already very good, but they had a quarterback that threw thirty interceptions. I mean, we, Lucas and I have talked multiple times. If Jameis accidentally didn't throw ten of those interceptions, the Bucs probably win four more games last year. Um they are in a prime position to do some work in the nfc i think overall especially with tom brady and whatnot uh Keyshawn vaughn coming in from vanderbilt is he going to be maybe the number one guy there as they you know we know that bruce arians wants to run kind of a, a dual threat running back system i don't know that he wants that ground and pound but he was able to get the best out of david johnson and after bruce arians and david johnson separated david Johnson's hasn't been the same obviously so how do we feel about uh Keyshawn vaughn and uh riff we'll start with you
2: Great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love Rojo. Obviously, USC days and uh, watching him torch you. The only positive for USC in that Oregon loss a couple years ago was uh, was Rojo. But anyways, yeah, I don't I don't know what, what else they're going to do. Are they going to go ahead to Vontae Freeman? So um, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is the clear choice in my mind as the number one back. I know, like, again, like, this guy is, he's only 5'10". He's 214 pounds. He can break tackles. He can catch. Um, his pass blocking ability is not great, obviously, because he's small. But I think that the pieces that the Tampa Bay Bucks drafted around Brady on the offensive line will really pick up the bulk of that. The 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 Bucks have a Golden State Warriors feel to them right now. When when the Warriors got Durant, or when Miami got LeBron, or when the Clippers were able to reunite Paul George and and not reunite to unite Paul George and. Um, and Kawhi Leonard. It has that feeling to it because they brought in Gronk, they brought in Britt. Like, this is the hype team now. This is the quote-unquote super team because of the names, not necessarily just the talent that they bring. Um, But Keyshawn Vaughn just adds another piece to an already very dynamic offense, and it's going to be very exciting. Whether or not it actually pans out, I have no idea, but I think he'll be the number one running back come opening game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: All right, let's dive into the Carolina Panthers. Eight picks, all defensive. All-defensive picks here for the Carolina Panthers. The most all-defensive draft ever. This is just another reason for Christian McCaffrey's stock to go up somehow. I'm not sure how that's possible, but uh, they did not bring anybody to threaten his job. They trust Teddy Bridgewater, I guess. My boy Will Greer is going to be great in week four. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Their wide receivers are good enough. Ian Thomas is going to be fine at at, tight end. And they're going to ride all this defense. So Derek Brown out of Auburn goes, uh, Matos goes after that, and then all defense the rest of the way. So we're not going to cover the Panthers because uh, they're all defensive, but a lot of moves there um, for Carolina on the defensive front. Likewise, the Giants in the NFC East, as we move over, they had 10 picks tied with the Lions for the second most in the NFC. No skill players for them either. So they go Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia, Uh, Kind of a surprising pick once again for the second year in a row uh, by David Gettleman, but nonetheless, that was a guy. They went and got him, and then it was all defense after that. Seven defensive players, four of those linebackers for the Giants. So the Giants and the Panthers going all in on defense there and uh, not so much on offense. All right, let's uh, wrap up the rest of the episode with the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Redskins. And um, I want to make a quick disclaimer late in the episode here that some of this information turns out has been incorrect. Uh, Some of these teams uh, maybe are um, listed incorrectly, so I apologize uh, post and in advance moving forward. If any of these guys are out, we'll uh, double-check some of these. So apologize for any of those uh, if you are confused on what we're talking about there. Let's kick off with the Eagles. Um, Riff, I'll let you take this one on here. The Eagles had 10 picks, quarterback, running back, three receivers, and (laughs) – they seem to have been set everywhere but receiver. But they get Jalen Reger, who was a great receiver. That was a that was an awesome comp. Then they go Jalen Hurts after that in the second round. Um, thoughts right away on is Carson Wentz's job in jeopardy, or is this simply a new Nick Foles replacement when Carson Wentz gets hurt this year?
2: Yeah, I think that's more of the approach. It's also you don't want to make your opponents better, and there are teams. I and mean, we'll talk about Washington, we'll talk about some of these other teams that they don't want to get Jalen Hurts. So not only are you withholding a potentially big asset from your opponents, but you're also, like you said, filling in for a potential need down the line because we know the track record with Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts, the different quarterback, he's a little bit more dynamic out of the pocket. Um, I don't know what his volatility, volatility will be like at the NFL level, so I'm, and I think that this is a good system with Doug Peterson, with uh, with Carson once, just to sit and learn and develop. I'm everybody was confused. I'd, obviously, because the second round, it's weird that they picked him. I would have gone with another receiver with the board being what it was. Um, but uh, I'm really not a, as upset about it as most people. I really think that for Jalen Hurts personally, this was a good pick. Uh, John Hightower out of Boise State, phenomenal wide receiver, good complement to regular pick. Up at the first round, um, go look at some of his highlights highlights up what he did with Boise State. Boise State just a dominant powerhouse consistently out of the Mountain West. Um, playmakers all over the place at it from them. Um, and then Quez Watkins is gonna be buried on the depth chart. I don't know when he'll emerge for this team, um, to stacking playmakers. But yeah, I mean I'm Regger Hurts, Rager phenomenal hurts, I get it, and then high powered great pick. Lucas
0: thoughts on the Eagles. Yeah, with the Hurts pick, you got to think back to the last game that Carson Wentz played. He got hurt in it, like, and no one said anything about it. We're we're not gonna have training camps. We're probably not gonna have OTAs. They can't get medicals on him, and it makes sense. Also, the Super Bowl they won, yeah, it wasn't with Carson Wentz. It was with their backup quarterback. So there's a track record of them needing a backup quarterback, and if you can get a guy that's this dynamic, and you're trying to win the, you're trying to make your offense all speed. Like you can see that with the draft, every single receiver's speed. They said that post-draft. They went and got Marquise Goodwin. Deshaun Jackson's still on the roster. They want Alshon Jeffrey gone just due to financial. He can't be gone, but he's not fast. But it's, that's, your, that's your one, that's your physical receiver. That's what they're trying to do. And if, say, Carson Wentz, he's locked up long-term, but I'm not for sure the exact, like, dead cap or whenever all that stuff kind of clears up. But they could easily use both these quarterbacks. You see with, like, Taysom Hill. It's a dumb comp. That's what they said they wanted to comp him to. But they paid Taysom Hill $6 million a year to touch the ball maybe 30 times the whole year. So, like, he is needed. And, I mean, all the people that were making fun of the pick were Cowboys fans, and now they have to go guard Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. So we'll see how that goes and fires back on them. But I I don't mind the pick. Um, This team didn't need that many needs. A receiver, which they got. A linebacker, which they got the next pick. And then just a dynamic playmaker in the second round. So I don't mind it.
1: What do you think about this narrative that they use both quarterbacks simultaneously such as the uh, Ravens did a few times with Lamar Jackson as a rookie uh, where they had Uncle Flacco who obviously has no mobility at all um, and then bring in Lamar Jackson uh, as well or Taysom Hill lines up in the backfield in a pseudo wildcat but he's a legit quarterback and they put Drew Brees out as a wideout. Do you think um, there's an opportunity where they potentially use these guys at the same time on the field?
0: I mean like it's it's the way it works. Like you – Teams that run a prototypical offense, yes, that used to work. You saw the Patriots. They had to dismantle their whole team because they can't do that anymore. Like, yes, the Titans, but they also – Derrick Henry just went off, but that's a completely different thing. The Saints, they used two quarterbacks. The uh, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, they don't use two quarterbacks, but they use a lot of weird formations where they motion Tyreek Hill to the backfield. They use uh, Darwin Thompson. So you have to be unique about it, and I think Doug Peterson – knows that obviously he showed that he's getting a bunch of speed guys to pair with Alshon Jeffrey and their two tight ends and then he went to a quarterback which is not needed so obviously they're going to have a plan for him you it's spend a second round pick on a guy just to sit on the bench um especially at a quarterback position so I think it's something that needs to happen um this could have been maybe a little bit of like a reaction pick to the Cowboys now adding CeeDee Lamb to where they need to sort of fire back with something so that it's not like them focusing on game planning for CD Lamb and not having the Cowboys have to be like, oh, we only have to guard Rager. So it could just be like a whole dynamic of making it harder for teams to, to game plan around them.
1: Let's jump right into the Cowboys. Then seven picks. Uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup get a little bit of a, a punch on the side here with the CD Lamb grab. But in NFL standards, this is fucking awesome. Uh, Fantasy-wise, Dak Prescott, you know, was already top five for everybody. I'm hearing, you know, he's pretty much top three uh, behind just uh, Mahomes and Jackson. Some people have him ahead of Lamar Jackson because I just don't think it could keep up potentially. Anyway, a lot happening for, for Dak, but let's go with the Marty Cooper and Michael Gallup really quick. Lucas, I'll go back to you with uh, with CeeDee Lamb here, 17th overall out of Oklahoma. Um, to the Cowboys, I think one of the more surprising picks of the draft, only because they're already pretty stacked at wide receiver, and now they go out and get arguably the best one in this draft. Uh, depending on who you talk to so uh, how do you feel overall about all three of these guys in fantasy
0: yeah well okay they had a good draft to start out with i'm not saying they had a bad draft this team is going to be good the offense is going to be good but the thing with the cowboys is this is like the ultimate i'll see it when i believe it" team this happens every year they get all the hype and then there's always this backbone of poor management in terms of money in terms of contract in terms of players wanting to play there aka zeke like if your team's that good, you shouldn't need to require $10 million to go play for him. Like, I get that, like, he was on a rookie deal. He needed a contract. But if you're building a good foundation, a good team there, players will want to play for you. It's, it's that simple. Like, look at Austin Eckler. That man could have easily wanted 11 plus mil and hold out, held out. But he came back for 7 mil, I think was what it was, because he just wants to play there because they're building a good team there. C. D. Lamb, I get it. It was value at the pick. But to me, this shows one thing. Yes, he's going to be your wide receiver three, but it shows how poorly you are at managing long-term values. Michael Gallup, you just drafted in round two. He's a free agent next year. If I had to bet money, he's not coming back. He's not going to want to come back. The production he's shown is going to lead to him being a wide receiver one or one B elsewhere, but that's gone now. They front-loaded Amari Cooper's contract to where they can cut him for zero cap or zero dollars in two years. You don't do that for a receiver that you're confident in. Like, you, you straight up don't front load a contract for a guy that you're like, oh, he's our long-term receiver. So there's just something that's like, they're like thinking they're good enough to do this, but then there's always that relying factor on like, they're always in cap history. Like, every, every year it's to the Cowboys to have enough cap. They still don't have Dak signed long-term. And I get that the whole coronavirus thing, but if you really wanted him there long-term, he would have signed by now. Like, it's, you would have found a way to do it. So it's just like... It's just a bunch of, like, red flags outside of just, oh, cool, the Lamb's are wide receiver three. Like, yeah, that might work. But when's the last time they won a Super Bowl? When's the last time they were actually a good team you had to contend with because there wasn't something else going on? So I know nothing to do with fantasy or anything, but I think that Lamb will be the wide receiver one in two years because they will get rid of Amari Cooper. Gallup will be gone. But then they'll be right back to square one with Zeke will be gone by then. They're going to have to find a running back. Is Dax still going to be there? Their offensive line's old. Their defense is all just a bunch of, like, um, chess piece players, like twos and threes at each position. So, it's just – it's what you want, but it's not what you want if you're trying to compete for a long time.
1: Love. I agree with – I agree with all of it. Uh, they also bring in a center from Wisconsin – who is Travis Frederick's replacement, who's been the all pro center who retired. I thought that was a great move. Honestly, that's again, not a fantasy thing. It's not a sexy pick. It's not one that really anybody gives a shit other than his family. However, um, I think it's a great move. Uh, that was the centerpiece of that Wisconsin line that you know, allowed Jonathan Taylor to uh, run all over uh, the NCAA for the last three years. So I love that pick a lot. Um, Jonathan, quick, uh, before we let you uh, get into the Redskins and, and get out of this episode, How are you feeling about the Cowboys overall? And um, do you think CeeDee Lamb comes in and makes a big impact right away for the Cowboys, or are you thinking long-term as
2: well? Yeah, I think it's long-term. I agree. Lucas gave a great synopsis of of how the next season to three seasons will likely play out for the Cowboys. And I agree. You know, it's interesting because I'm not one of those people like to speculate whether or not players are going to leave. But I I think that Lucas nailed it with that. Most of these guys are probably not going to be on this team. Um, and so, with that in the back of the mind of Jerry Jones, and I would say the management, but I, who knows if he was consulted the rest of the management on this? Um, I, I think that that was that 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 was the approach with this. Lamb, I mean, ah, man, this guy—he could be such a beast. He could also not be. Like I, he's one of those guys that I think fell into the right place at Oklahoma with the with the quarterbacks that he had and the Big Twelve offense, which is just. Everybody talks about the Pac-12 offenses inflated. Go look at Big 12 stats. Go look at Big 12 defense. Um, So he benefited from the the Big 12 curve, we'll call it. Um, But that doesn't – I don't want to take away from the fact that he is dynamic. He is athletic. And, uh, yeah, he's going to push Amari Cooper and, and Gallup. And who knows, in two years, if and probably when both those guys aren't on the team, this guy will be the number one receiver.
1: I agree with you. Are you sticking away from any of these guys or targeting them, Lucas, and Dynasty?
0: Redraft, I just, I'm i not even going to probably draft a single rookie receiver just because there's going to be no training camps or OTAs, which I'm sure we'll talk about that in coming videos. But Dynasty, like, I like Lamb a lot, actually, but not, like, on my rankings, he's, like, my wide receiver three or four right now. But I know he's not going to be drafted at that. So, like, I'm not going to reach on a guy I have to wait two years to get to retain the value that Jalen Rager, Jerry, Judy – and justin jefferson could all have right away so like that's where like it's tough to like because they were going to draft the wide receiver three i was thinking more around two guy maybe like mims if he fell a project he's kind of a project receiver like a Hamler or something like that where it would benefit everything but now it's just like there's too much well vacated production it's a thousand yards it's like i mean i'm just talking about right now it's a thousand yards randall cobb and tavon austin so at best you're giving Jerry or C.D. Lamb a thousand yards, unless you're going to and that was with Michael Gallup playing 13 games and Amari Cooper getting hurt. So if that all happens again, he gets a thousand yards. I have a strong feeling that Judy and Rager, and probably Justin Jefferson, will get a thousand yards. So it, I like everyone basically is what it comes down to. So it's more of an ADP play for me, which I know Lamb's going to be the 101 for receivers. Yep,
1: yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably be targeting. Dak, but the problem is Dak, is Dak is going to be in that, right now in redraft at least, Dak's going to be in that Mahomes Yeah, he's a tier one yeah. Dak, I mean, well he's he's a third rounder now
0: in yeah. redraft
1: uh, so I, I most likely will not be getting him that does help guys like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, Josh Allen, maybe uh, you know, Deshaun Watson even um, fall a little bit in, in redraft leagues, so you might be able to get a, more, a little more value on those guys, but Dak himself may have outpriced him Self for me personally I'm a huge Dak fan in general um, but that might be a little bit too expensive all right last one here let's wrap it up Washington Redskins eight picks Um, they now have seven running backs AP guys Thompson Barber love McKissick Ferguson and now Gibson Antonio Gibson out of Memphis Chase Young of course goes second overall out of Ohio State no surprise there absolute beast Um, apparently he's still growing uh, I saw a report that he may be 6'8", eventually, which is pretty much LeBron James with some more beef playing on the end there. Um, and then, of course, uh, Griff, I'm going to turn you loose on Antonio Gandy Golden, your boy out of Liberty. So take over the Redskins here and we'll get out.
2: we Will do. Yeah, uh, let's go Antonio Gibson first. Sorry, Darius, guys, you're not going to have a job for very long, uh, a consistent job. I love Bryce Love because he went to Stanford. What he did, the Heisman runner-up year, and then he tore his ACL and, Unfortunately, he's not going to pan out. Peyton Barber, very non-dynamic running back between the tackles. Josh Ferguson. Uh, he's like a pure four version of Antonio Gibson. Jaden McKissick should not be on an NFL team right now or at least up in the operational of the rosters. All right, that's the back end of the running back. Let me address those four right now. Antonio Gibson is the most dynamic in terms of like receiving and running back ability. This dude is a freak athlete. Like the Redskins killed at getting two freak athletes from Chase Young and Antonio Gibson. This guy is going to complement Adrian Peterson very well. The thing is, is that they list him now as a running back. When he was drafted, he was listed as a wide receiver. Um, it makes more sense for him to play out of the backfield because he is more dynamic that way. But you could sort of like Ty Montgomery. Hopefully he'll be better. Um, you can throw him in the slot if you want. He did have 38 receptions to so only 33 carries last week. Um, last week, wow, that would be a heavy week load. Last year. <laughs> but uh, it's all going to translate. His maneuverability is insane. His volatility is very high. Um, he's explosive. I, it's just such a great piece to add for what needs to be a dynamic offense with Wayne Haskins, at, and we'll see what happens with Kyle Allen um, at the helm. And then, yeah, my friend, my my favorite wide receiver from Liberty University, Antonio Gandy Golden, best catch radius in the draft. I think it had like a pro football focus game, like a ninety-three, which was one of their highest ratings. Um, Michael Pittman was one was the other one. Um, Look, you need a jump ball guy. Uh, Terry McLaurin, very fast. We saw him break out in pretty consistent moments last year. Cam Sims, I'm not exactly sure what's making him yet. Excuse me, that's the wrong. I don't he's not going to get that side. Uh, Steven right. Sims, yeah. Yeah, it is Sims. Um, yeah, and, they, you know, they have, like, Kelvin Harmon and, and Cody Latimer. Mm-hmm. But I just I think Andy Golden, he's your possession guy. He's, your, he's very slow in light speed. He's not quick horizontally, but vertically. He's going to get you the 50-50 balls you can under throw it to him if he gets inside position on basically anybody in man-on-man coverage he's likely going to catch it um so he becomes a very good red zone target and within the 20 yard line you throw it to the back of the end zone and man-on-man coverage gandy golden will likely have a better shot than anybody else at catching it um and for somebody like haskins who needs to develop that mech, that aspect of his game the recklessness containing the recklessness passing recklessness um gandy golden's perfect he's the guy that they need so I'm very happy with the playmakers that this team drafted. Um, and I'm very excited to see how both these guys pan out. Lucas, quick
0: thoughts on AG and AGG. I think, I think it was a good draft because I think what they're realizing they need to do is a little bit like what the Niners do. They manufacture touches for certain players because it's efficient and what, what that is. Everyone hates it that they draft, they have like nine running backs in their room. I don't mind it at all. I mean, look at the Niners. Like, they run, like, five running backs. No one complains about that. Obviously, for fantasy, they do, but that's not football. They have Antonio Gibson, Darius Geis, Peyton Barber, AP. Like, it's it's a good enough room. The front seven is probably one of the best front sevens, probably besides the Rams in football. They added Chase Young. Corners are a little bit shaky. I still think Okuda might have been the right pick just because how bad their corners are. But I think it's adding up. Um... For Haskins, whether, like you look at Haskins in college, not that he threw for like 5,000 yards, but a lot of the plays they ran were like manufactured touches for certain players, like Curtis Samuel. I'm trying to think of the rest of the receivers that are on the league now. McLaurin, other guys like that. It might work for him. We'll see. Um, They still have O-line issues. But I like AGG. He'll need to win out over Harmon and Sims. Um, Will he? I don't know. It's a Liberty receiver. We'll see. But I do like what they're doing. Um, I just wish guys could stay healthy. If you had guys and Antonio Gibson with AP, I think that'd be that'd be a trio that would be. I mean, guys with the offensive line, you see what he does when he plays. If they had an offensive line with that trio, I think it'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And let's not forget, just you know, what three years ago, Darius, guys, and Saquon Barkley were pretty much DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor coming into the draft. And uh, we we just saw what happened there. So great recap, guys. Way to go on the NFC. We did the AFC on Tuesday. Make sure to double back and check that out. Um, And before we get out of here, again, I just want to uh, revisit the transparency. We'd like to be as accurate as possible. And that was maybe an oversight on my part as the host here on just maybe a couple of uh, grammatical errors here and maybe some wrong teams. So I apologize there. Get the gist of how we feel about um, 99% of these players at least. Before we get out, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave a comment of your favorites and maybe your least favorite, NFC Drop, and jump back to our previous video and do the same, please, on that one as well. Tell your friends and your family as we grow the channel. Make sure to leave a rate and review on the podcast for every listening. You can find the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast on Instagram at fantasyfootball on Twitter at tck underscore. All of our information, including Lucas and my first official drops of rankings coming up Monday of next week, you can find all those rankings on tckpod.com, articles of everybody, and the full breakdowns. I'm going to let Lucas let you all know what he was just dropping last week if you he didn't hear it on Tuesday, but before we do that. Jonathan, please, once again, thank you so much for your contributions over the last six podcasts, my man. You and I are still going to get an interview done one of these days here, so we, I want the people to know more about what you do than just behind the uh, fantasy football landscape um that we're used to now so we will definitely get you in there but thanks so much again for coming back on this year during this time i reached out to you in like december about bringing you on specifically during the nfl draft time because i'd love to have your uh, analysis watching these kids from high school to college and now into the pros so thanks again for your contributions here and please let our uh, viewers know exactly where they can find the rest of your content and what you have coming up
2: Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Sky and Lucas. Uh, I'm all over the place. Believe Podcast Network is where you can find my podcasting stuff. I'm the host of Believe in the Pac-12 with the uh, – what's the best way to describe Ryan Leaf now? Do you guys want to throw an adjective? When you think of Ryan Leaf in present day, what do you think of?
1: Well, now that I know him, now that I know him is not just Ryan Leaf from your end. I mean, it's kind (laughs) of like reborn. It's like, Yeah, it's refreshing to, like, have this idea of Ryan Leaf 20 years ago and now – know of him as, as more of an analyst and whatnot. So uh, I love his content. I think it's great. You guys have a great dynamic together, and I look forward to having him on the podcast today.
2: Appreciate it. Yeah, so we'll call him We'll call him the reborn Ryan Leaf on the Believe in Pac-12 podcast. Um, yeah, I'm a sports broadcaster. I'm all over L.A. You can find me on the NFHS Network online, which is the high school streaming service. They basically monopolize all the high school broadcasts in the nation. Um, I'll have some Fox coming up on Fox Prep Zone and Fox Sports West. Um, and then we are currently working on something very big that maybe in our interview sky if that comes after this, I'll be able to officially announce.
1: I would love that, man. You just keep me posted, brother. Always so pr- always appreciate having you on, man. Lucas, one more time while we keep talking about the rookies here, we got maybe two more episodes, <laughs> and then we can finally turn the page. I know you're exhausted, man. You've got a couple different networks talking these rookies into the ground, but please, one more time, let everybody know what you dropped earlier this week and uh, what they can look forward to.
0: Yep. Uh, FSE, like the letters in the alphabet, draftguide.com. It's a rookie um, sort of – it's a website, but it's a draft guide in a way to start collective thoughts on as many uh, rookie players we wanted to actually write about without going insane. Um, but, yeah, I, it's everything's on there. Hit rate data that we've referenced two weeks ago, vacated production data, some videos, um, the commish. They have, like, these scouting – like trading cards, kind of is the best way to describe them. Like what they're good, what the players are good at, not good at, overall thoughts. And yeah, I'm ready to to move off rookies as well next week or two weeks.
1: Love it. And that rookie draft guide is phenomenal, y'all. I'm telling you, it's a website, there's a ton of drop downs. Uh, our boy Tyler Moss runs you through some film evaluation, like how to watch film, uh, which is really cool. Um, and there's just so many articles. Shouts out to our boy Dewey's Nuts and everybody else involved with the uh, rookie draft guide from the Fantasy Stock Exchange. So proud to be a part of that. Shouts out to our boys with the Mish Fantasy Football P- P- Podcast. Big up to Chris, Derek and Alex, and everybody else out there in New England. Always a pleasure. Never a chore, boys. Until the next time, this is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Sky Guasco, for Lucas Kaser and Jonathan Rifkin, and we are out of here.